Welcome. You're listening to the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast with Chris Dempsey. Episode 10. Welcome to episode 10, the double digits. Um, Wouldn't it be cool podcast at gmail.com. Wouldn't it be cool at Instagram? Wouldn't it be cool at Facebook? Follow and reach out. Please, 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 please. Loving it. Having a great time. I always say it. I always mean it. Um, Oh man, this is a fun one. This is cool. I have my uh, friend Abby Colby. And Abby is on the show representing the millennial generation. And um, this is really fun. This is a good conversation. This is another one that could have gone on and on. We could have just kept going over subject and subject. Um, but I tried to keep it reasonable. Um, just what an amazing, interesting kid. Um, God, Abby's 17 years old. Uh, and she's just going to enlighten um, the, I guess the, you know, like an older generation, the generation above her, kind of like what's happening with millennials, what they're thinking, what their, uh, uh, what their perspective is, and what they're doing, and um, her optimism. Uh, we just kind of sort of, it's, it's funny, it's more, it's one of my most interview-like as opposed to conversation. We definitely have a really good conversation, but I kind of, I actually had a list with me, um, like a little list of kind of topics, kind of questions, uh, and the kid just handled it like a pro. It was really awesome. This was a really, really fun one. I think you're going to enjoy it. So uh, that being said, sit back and meet Abby Colby. That light means we're recording. Awesome. Yeah. Very official. (laughs) Something's got to be official around here. It ain't me. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this. It should be fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's like, uh, it's sort of obvious to you, right? Like that uh, you're the young one. You know what I mean? You're the, you're the young guest so far, the youngest guest so far. Yeah. My dad, when I told him I was doing this, he said, so you're, you'll be the first kid. And I said, yeah, I, I yeah. guess I'll be the first kid. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. Which is funny. Cause it was, I was, um, I think I've talked a little bit about it in the podcast, but it was along, it was along the lines of the original concept. I kind of had that concept of, uh, you know, the whole thing was to kind of reach and or inspire young people. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of thought that that um, podcasts were not necessarily the medium. I'm kind of rethinking that a little mm. bit. Not necessarily. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. I'm just, it's just swirling in my head. Mm. And so it was, it was like either having young people as guests or it was uh, having guests that would reach young people. And then I just... I just kind of steered more trying to inspire the the older generation to then just go inspire your young people, mm-hmm. right? That was part of the thought yeah. process. Well, I think, I mean, if you do one thing, it'll have a chain reaction of results. So maybe you'll get all of it done yeah. by just doing the podcast yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. I think podcasting, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm becoming more exposed to it, but I see podcasting as a 
really growing thing, especially yeah. with the moth with Radiolab. Um, I don't know. Do you remember Zines? I've only heard of them. They're from the 90s. Um, or or so. Zines. Zines, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so I don't even um, pronounce it correctly. But I but I don't really know much about them. Oh, Someone okay. was just telling me about them recently or remind, trying to remind me, but I was like, no, I don't think I was paying attention uh, yeah. at the time. Yeah, so it's basically, I think they were pretty popular on college campuses, but whatever your issue was, so, you know, you could, you would make a, a vegan zine or zine mm-hmm. and you'd hand it out to all your friends or, you know, post it up in the student union building or something. Right. So it was just how you could um, get a message across to a large audience. And so I think podcasts have a chance of really becoming that new media. Yeah, totally. So we'll and pe- see. Yeah. And because you have like, like we can just do it. Mm-hmm, you can exactly. do it and put it out there. So you, yeah. don't, you don't need any money. You don't need any like backing or yeah. help. Or you don't even need to be affiliated with NPR or anyone like that. You yeah, can just or anything. do it. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. then of course the trick is reaching the people. Mm, that and is you tough. Got, then yeah. you got to reach them. And uh, like, I think that my, um, it's a little, you know, it's sort of viral. So originally my podcast would reach, you know, my say potentially, you know, 800 friends on Facebook. So mm-hmm. potentially those 800 people, mm-hmm. but obviously only a fraction of them are going to do it. But then I interview you, you put it out, your friends do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so then they become aware. So that whole viral growth kind of yeah, concept. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, uh, it's still, it's still tricky it's still really tricky to like to reach all the, the mm-hmm. people through this medium, but it's cool. Yeah. Well, I feel like once it, I don't know, when, once things catch on and once everyone's seeing it and sharing or once one person sees it and shares it and yeah. then, I don't know, someone else will click on it. And yeah. I guess that's how the internet works. Yeah, yeah right. That's what we're told. <laughs> that's what we see all the time. Um, so um, should I say, I guess the the concept here with you as I've been telling you, but I'll tell the listeners is kind of to, to, I think, like you said today, when I saw you, like be the voice of the millennial generation. And and I guess your age puts you at the tail end. Mm -hmm. You're like the youngest millennial. I guess it would be questioned whether or not a millennial, but for the sake of this, I'll say I'm a millennial. Yeah. (laughs) Um, World according to Evan. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, but give or take a year. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I thought it'd be kind of, I just thought it'd be interesting. Yeah. I thought it'd be cool to like um, get, you know, be able to just have people like sit down and listen to a point of view mm-hmm. or a frame of reference or, you know, kind of like, because I think I was, I was listening to something, I was seeing, you know, that Facebook started, and I think a lot of young people use Facebook, but now hardly anyone uses Facebook, like mm-hmm. hardly any young people, like my kids don't really, it's like a kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think the majority of users are like 40 and up. And then um, it's the same thing with, uh, um, you know, Snapchat and Instagram, the, those ages kind of were younger and are getting older and older mm-hmm. using those things. So um, that I, I feel like it's, so, so those are the people I'm reaching, I feel like. So I thought it would be cool for like that generation to just like listen to what is going on you know what i mean like yeah, what's going definitely. on in the mind of of the that younger generation that we both worry about but we also you know like there's people uh, i don't particularly complain but you know it's out there popular like complaining about millennials mm. and you know like the um what else do we call them like the the me generation or the you know like mm-hmm. the lazy generation like things like that yeah and uh and um 
it's, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Well, I think that's the case for every previous generation looks at the generation yeah, younger course, than right. them and say, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. And then they either go out and do something really great or really stupid. So I guess right. my generation's in the midst of that. So we'll see if it turns out yeah. really great or really stupid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good point. And then there's also individuals, of course, mm-hmm. and all that. That is true. You know? Yeah. But it, it, it will be interesting. To, like, like, what do you think of, um, well, here's one. So we've, we've heard a lot and talked a lot about me personally, um, um, the concept of, uh, just technology. Mm-hmm. So you have so much technology at your fingertips, right? You mm-hmm. have, uh, um, you don't have to really need or want to know anything because it is at your fingertips. You mm-hmm. can just Google it, which is sort of an interesting, just conceptually, mm-hmm. you know, like when, so when I was a kid, right? There'll probably be a lot of that talk. In the, <laughs> Way back when, when I was a kid, um, it wasn't at my fingertip, mm-hmm. so I I had to I had to discuss it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I might I might just sit down and, and think about it with my friends and discuss yeah. it with my friends, and or then, go to the library and, and go to the library yeah. and reach it, research it, or um, or ask people that I think might know. Mm-hmm. And so it's instant. Mm-hmm. It's it's just. Oh, well, I'll just find out yeah. in three seconds. You know, However long it takes for Verizon to load that yeah. Safari page is how yeah. long you can get whatever information. So. Yeah. And so does that have impact? Is that weird? It's normal because we've always grown up with it, I yeah. think. So uh, the idea of not having technology is really strange to us, or to me at least, like you said, you know, going yeah. to a library to research things. I remember being in elementary school and uh you know you'd get you'd have to do a report on bugs or the moon or something mm-hmm. and they'd take us to the library to practice our library skills and right. you looked in the encyclopedia britannica and you did all of that work and then you created like the bibliography and did all that out and it took forever and so yeah. now if i want to know about the life cycle of bees what do i do as i just google yeah. the life cycle of bees and right. then while I'm Googling the life cycle of bees, I can also find out how like bees are affected by climate change, how bees mm. are so important to our agriculture system. Yeah, and it so, feeds you more information. Yes. Yeah, so it would have taken all that much longer to find out that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And also, um, you know, there aren't embedded links in a in a book. So you right. can't be reading a book and think, oh, well, now this next thing looks cool and click on it. So um, it, yeah, it, it makes connections for you. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, really interesting and it can be really beneficial or it can get you super distracted when you're right. trying yeah, to write yeah, a research yeah, paper either you're or just looking at something that is many generations away from that yes exactly um, that does that happens. make you think things like um and we're getting like already like too into it because i want to know we we all want to know about you too but this is a quick question <laughs> and then I, I actually will do that um does it make you rethink like so what are we doing with education then why are we taking kids? If that isn't the reality of your world right now, mm. why are we taking kids to the library and giving them library skills? Mm. So I'm a person who loves to read and mm. I love public libraries. Mm. Um, I like to go to the library to get my book and to, to go home with it, have it for two weeks and return it. I probably forget to return books quite often and I have a lot of <laughs> overdue books. But I think um, a lot of sense of community and culture revolves around the library Mm. maybe not so much for the millennial generation but for generations before that um and you know i can remember like saturday morning going to the library with my mom and getting some books and checking them out and instead of going to the 
or going onto the computer and playing right. video games on a Saturday morning. So um, I want to say there will be always be a place for the library to bring kids to it, yeah. to have people do research through paper because um, give me a second. I think publication itself is also an affirmation that the work you've done is credible and the work that you've done is deserves to be mm -hmm. published. Um, when we're looking on the internet, you can get a Wikipedia page, which is a great place to start, but it's published by anyone. Um, you can find someone's blog, you can find someone's podcast. And while it's great that all of that information is out there, it's, uh, I wonder how much of that is credible. Can I count on this information? Who's sponsoring mm. this information being out there? Um, but I think if you go to the library and you check out a book, you can generally trust that that book has been fact-checked, that that book has a purpose being there yeah. and that that book is going to help me do something. Those so. are really good points. Those are really good points. But uh, but then is it being part of the question too a little bit is still school? Like is that being mm. taught in school? Oh, okay. And are those points? Because those are great points. Yeah. And and I guarantee, like just picture your, the, the – um, uh, the um, the demographic of your mm -hmm. school, the population of your school, mm -hmm. are they, you know, as well as anyone, 90% of your school, 80% of your school is not thinking that way. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. it also doesn't necessarily have the parents that are taking them to the library and kind mm -hmm. of, and keeping that little magic alive. Mm -hmm. They're going to the gym while their kids are on the computer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so are, is, you are you are you're suggesting that there is a value keeping it still in school and but if the kids aren't kind of being brought into that and being kind of like given that you know little like mm. romance around mm -hmm. it you know what i mean like no we got to keep this alive and 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 literally your points of fact checking mm -hmm. and, and that it is credit more credible mm -hmm. well i think um now it's turning into less how do we look up these things at the library and more, how do we do research? And so mm. uh, now if you go, if you're in high school and you're going to the library, um, you know, many teachers will bring their kids to the library the first week of school and the librarians will give them just a quick tutorial. You know, here's where our online um, like school sanctioned online mm. encyclopedias are. Here's all this, you know, here's where you can easily do up a free work cited. You can do all this. So it's less, um, you know, here are the encyclopedias you need to look at. Here's how you do X, Y, and Z and more. What research do you need to do and how do you get the best information possible? And I think that's always going to be beneficial. Mm -hmm. So maybe it doesn't use physical books, but um, the baseline is still yeah, there, I yeah. think, definitely. Uh, all right. Cool. Awesome. Boom. Um, all right. So, Abby, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Wow. Um, do you want we, me to do any of that? Uh, I'll, I'll introduce myself yeah. um, we'll see if I... If I can, if I can do this, um, I wrote a paper on this. I remember in sociology, it was the first. It's a very fitting sociology paper. It's just uh, a question of identity. Um, well, I'm Abby. I'm 17 years old. I've lived my whole life in Durham, New Hampshire. I went to Oyster River Elementary School, Middle School, and High School, and I will be starting at the University of New Hampshire in the fall. Um, you could say I'm a Durham townie, <laughs> yeah. uh, proudly, proudly a Durham townie. Um, yeah, I grew up right in, uh, right in a neighborhood outside of campus. Um, really enjoyed being outside, 
playing with my brother, with my dad, with my mom um, around the neighborhood. Um, yeah, I you, think you it, live in a kind of a cool neighborhood. Yeah, it's, it's great. a tight neighborhood. A lot of kids. It's re- it's very it's it's especially in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. It's re- kind of a rare little neighborhood because it's I, so rural. And then you get into your. It's called the faculty neighborhood because mm-hmm. it's a lot of faculty from the school living. Yeah. So it's like classic just a bunch of little streets yeah there's a bunch of parents and little kids and so all the little kids kind of grow up together and mm-hmm. the kids actually get to ride their bikes to yes. their friend's house yes. it's like crazy one, rare these days one thing that my mom often references is uh sh- she knows she, or when my brother and i were little she would um be comfortable turning us loose in the neighborhood right. and just playing around everywhere because she knew that you know on mcgrath there was going to be troy's mom mm-hmm. and if so if we were on mcgrath troy's mom would yeah. keep tabs on us if we were on oyster river road you know someone's mom would yeah. be there so i think growing up in that neighborhood afforded me uh, a different sense of responsibility but also a strong sense of community which yeah. i really appreciate right um, and i think we get that at oyster river high school too as a whole yeah um is a really strong sense of community so uh kind of went on a tangent there but no, no, i guess good. i guess that's me i like yeah. to hike and ski um yeah. and bike i don't know typical new hampshire activities yeah. but you have like you know you have um your parents are cool, obviously. I'm I big, like to I'm, think I'm so, big yeah. Fans as well, they're they're really cool, mm-hmm. and um, and I think they've done a great job with you. Thank you, you. Know, and Sam, like <laughs> you know you. what I mean. Like you both are like great kids. Um, explain a little bit about um, kind of growing up with them as parents, um, mm. and also a little bit about how it, you know conceptually led you and Sam to both kind of being so like focused and driven and motivated mm-hmm. and you know, like you both graduate high school early, you know, you both went to go do cool stuff and like, and sort of like what you did too. Yeah. Um, give me a moment looking mm-hmm. back. Yeah. I think, um, my parents, my dad had a very exceptional childhood as well. Mm-hmm. He was given a lot of freedom. Um, and, but he was also born into a lot of privilege, I think. And, that may or may not have contributed to it. His father was a pilot. Um, his mom stayed at home and took care of the kids. But uh, my dad tells me stories about being a kid and going outside with his BB gun and just mm. having at it in mm. the forest of Rye, New Hampshire, you know, riding on train tracks with his dirt bike or something. And so he had, um, from a very early age, a uh, sense of freedom um, and self-responsibility. So I take care of myself. I look after myself um, or don't do anything dumb because right. it's on me kind of <laughs> right, thing. Right. <laughs> um, and so I guess it makes sense that when he became a parent, he passed that along to uh, my brother and me. Um, I remember we, when we were young, if we misbehaved or something, we would be sent to our rooms or whatever we misbehaved with would be confiscated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess speaking to parenting styles, I couldn't uh, say specifically, but I think my parents did their best and succeeded to treat my brother and I like we had a stake in what we did. And also that, um, sorry, let me retrace my thoughts again. I guess that they never made us feel patronized or that we were incapable of doing things because we were kids. Mm. Um, And that level of respect I think uh, led us to have a really healthy relationship between child and parent um, and one that I really, really appreciate. And I mean, most 17 year olds, I don't think really enjoy or 
don't hang out with their parents that much. Right. But um, honestly, if I can go home from work and hang out with my parents on the back deck, it's something I really look forward to and really yeah. don't want to do anything else after work. So yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, they just uh, sorry, I'm trying to now trace back to the original question. Um, f- like uh, they would give us a lot of freedom, but with limitations. And that in itself sounds kind of um, like a conundrum, but it was just, uh, yes, of course you can go do this, but, you know, be home at 10 or, you know, don't ride your bikes to the middle school because that's a little far for you right now. But, you know, you can ride your bike to Mill Road and that'll be okay. So um, just helping us uh, explore but also keeping a lid on things at yeah. a certain point. And they knew just when to draw the line, yeah, I think. It sounds like uh, you're describing building trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, certainly. and both ways. Yeah. You're, they're, you're, they're building um, trust in you that you'll you mm-hmm. know, listen and they're, they're, they're letting it out a little bit further and further. And then you're, they're building trust um, in a sense where um, you're learning to trust them. Like, yeah. When they, like why they said that. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely, you know, if the trust gets broken, it's going right. to take you a long time to rebuild yeah, that exactly. sense of trust, which yeah. uh, it was broken and it has taken time yeah. to rebuild yeah. it on numerous occasions. Yeah. But I like to think my parents trust me. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so um, what, um, what led you to, uh, to do the, the graduating early? Sorry, taking a sip of water. Um, well, I remember my freshman year of high school, I wanted to graduate early only because um, I didn't like high school or I didn't like the social scene of high school, if that makes sense. And when I told my parents, oh, I want to graduate early, they said, well, hold off here because I think they um, understood that my 13 14 year old daughter is having a tough social time Mm. like all 14 year old kids have let's fix the problem let's fix the problem not run away from it and so uh they said no which made sense because i mean as a socially awkward 14 year old i wouldn't or as a parent of a socially awkward 14 year old i wouldn't want my kid going off and doing these things um and not going through the full i guess four years of school Um, And then at the end of my sophomore year, after I had matured a bit, bit, I think, um, and had found a real passion and drive, um, I'd always known I liked anthropology, social studies, uh, English classes, but um, after taking some at the high school, I just really focused in on that Mm. um, and uh, started finding really constructive extracurriculars, I think. Um, And so... Uh, sorry, losing my train of thought again. I guess um, I was able to demonstrate that I could kind of go off and do my own thing and find it enriching and do have meaning to it. Um, and then it just lined up really nicely that I had the right credits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out I loved English and you need four years of English to graduate. And it wasn't that I tried to squeeze four years of English into three. I just wanted to take extra English classes yeah. or whatever it may have been. So I took gym class online and uh-huh. oh, was, and took a class in school, English in school. Yeah, yeah. And took English instead. And so that let me 
um, graduate early, which was really great. Yeah. Uh, definitely missed out on a lot with my friends senior year, which I'm a little bummed about oh, sometimes, yeah. but just the social thing. I think senior year, a lot of people get together yeah. and do lots of fun things and kind of reunite, right. but definitely wouldn't have traded graduating early for anything else. Yeah, and yeah. my brother too, he graduated early. And, um, I think like me, he just knew what he wanted to do. He knew where his passions were and he was able to create a plan around that. So he graduated a semester early and moved to Boston and got a job. He was, he got a job at a clothing store and that, you know, paid the bills, but then he was able to really start his photo and video career, right. which he is now still pursuing in New York. Right, so right. yeah, he's doing it right too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure I, is. I'm envious of his life sometimes. It's <laughs> yeah, really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. He's kicking ass for sure. I Definitely. Love it. Such a good kid too. Yeah. Yeah. Good brother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you do when you, when you, for your, like we what would you call it for your senior year? Yeah. 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 I guess a gap year. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked a lot the summer um, after I graduated. So that was the summer of 2015. And then I went to Europe for three months, um, not through a structured program, but through um, a site called WOOF. Uh, it's an acronym. It stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And mm -hmm. the purpose of that website is to connect volunteers to uh, organic farms or people who, you know, maybe need a lot of manpower to put in that farm or to build their new house or whatever it might be. And so um, you work for them, you learn a lot, and in exchange you get room and board and you weekends off, you know, four to six or seven hours a day depending on your host and so that's what i did that was your that was your work day four, yeah four to six a day yeah, yeah and then five to six days a week depending on yeah. what your host said yeah. um and so that's what i did for three months and so where did you land where did i land um i was in ireland italy france and portugal oh, nice. but i woofed in ireland and portugal oh, cool. um so it was, it was a lot of fun what did you do in ireland Ireland, um, when I was there in September and a lot of the work was bringing in the turf. Um, if, uh, the turf is like, a thousand, thousands and thousands of years old, um, like uh, decayed matter that gets super packed down into bogs in Ireland. Mm. And so what the Irish do is they go into the fields, they dig it up into little bricks and then they'll let it dry. And that's actually their firewood essentially so oh, that'll really? heat them for the winter um so we did a lot of stacking drying well when we were there it had already been dried because it takes quite a while for yeah. it to dry out like more than a season quite a while i believe the cutting process starts in may and then it dries out for the summer and then in september it's ready to be oh, brought okay. in yeah. yeah so it's it's quite a while yeah. um and so a lot of trips to the bog <laughs> hauling turf yeah, which yeah. was definitely interesting um are you literally like in those boots like oh yeah like bog boots the wellies like, as the irish yeah, call it yeah. yeah so you're in those muck boots and uh yeah log or uh, uh, lugging these big plastic bags full of turf it's like a, a black brick if you can picture that mm -hmm. um and then we'd load it up in the truck and drive it stack it very meticulous stacking mm -hmm. because it topples really easily um and so that was the main work but we also That's did cool. work with chickens um i got to learn about masonry which was interesting because the, um the main the side project we did was repairing some walls so that they would be fox-proof for the hens. So a lot of uh, limestone patching of really oh, cool. ancient stone walls, which mm. was interesting. That's cool. um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. 
uh, my host was so-so. She was a nice woman, but I definitely think uh, people have, each host has different expectations for their volunteers. Right. And so hers was a little more on the, these are workers, not these are volunteers. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, there's an agreement for Woof that you're supposed to foster a community and it's a mutually beneficial relationship between mm. volunteer and host. And for her, she was more on the Hier- receiving hierarchy. End. Yeah. That yeah. being said, I was extremely grateful for her hosting right, right. me and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that was fun. Um, and then on the farm in Portugal, we just did everything from weeding to planting to making wine, which was fun. Um, working with goats some afternoons, my job would be to watch mm. the goats and that would be sitting in a field watching goats. And if they like strayed to, you know, the far field, I would loop around far and go sit on the other field. So it just keep oh, really? them contained. You in were sort pasture. of like a, a sheepdog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was me. And so you could just sit with your book for, you could only read for minutes on end because oh, you'd have to look funny. up and make sure the goats were in their place. But yeah. I loved the farm in Portugal. It was, it must've been gorgeous. I yeah, it was, it was, it was right in the mountains, really yeah. rural, um, like no public transport oh, nice. going to that town. You had to take a cab and, or hitchhike or something to the town where you could then get a bus, which you could then take to the train to then get into a main city. So it was, it was fun being that rural. Definitely. It is really cool. Yeah. Are, uh, are goats as fun as Facebook is telling us they are? (laughs) Goats are stubborn beasts. (laughs) Um, one day we woke up to, so the, the goat pasture that I, that was there or the goat pen, there was, um, a, a wall, a stick wall, and then a chicken wire around. And there was a goat in between the stick wire mm. and the chicken wire. Had but it the, like jumped there or something? But there's or? no way to jump it. And yeah. the only way it could have gotten wedged there was if it had somehow escaped the pen and walked straight into like the six inches right. between the chicken wire <laughs> and the sticks. I don't know how it got there, but it was the funniest thing. Yeah, um, but they're great. They're... Um, if you use them correctly, they can be uh, milk, they can be mm. meat, but they can also help you in your composting yeah. um, and they can graze your land for yeah, you. And so, yeah, 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 exactly. So if you yeah. use them correctly, they're a super um, versatile animal to have on the farm, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah they That's are cool. very cute too, especially the pygmy ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfa- like I was saying on Facebook, they're all dancing and playing mm-hmm. with everybody mm-hmm. like everyone wants a goat yeah they are yeah. nice i want goats but my parents don't so <laughs> yeah, we'll your, see your yard is not suited for goats <laughs> no james and melanie would be quite angry if some goats <laughs> strolled into their <laughs> yeah. yard they wake up with that yeah that bell going i said okay good i thought the neighbors got goats um and then um so that was a few months yep. abroad. Then you came, did, didn't you come back and then yeah. didn't you go away again? Yeah. So yeah. I came home and, um, sorry, I'm trying to think about what happened. Yeah. I came home and originally I was planning on starting school in the second semester. So I was planning on starting at UNH, but I just really liked traveling. So I came home, worked for three ish months and then just went off again. Um, less structured, still the same idea, working on farms for a bit, traveling around for a bit. Um, But this one was more relaxed and last minute, so I didn't plan it all out in advance and just like I kind of took it week by week and really enjoyed that as well. And where did you hit? 
Sorry, say where, that again. Where did you hit? Um, I was in Spain, France, Spain and France on volunteer farms. Mm-hmm. And then I was in Italy, um, then the Netherlands, Czech Republic, Germany on Jeez. another farm. And then back to Spain. Nice. So it was a lot of hopping around, definitely. That's um, cool, though. Yeah, it was fun. But as soon as I got home, I was like, all right, I'm ready to be home for a, yeah, yeah, an yeah. extended period of time. Were you alone for that? Like, like for the traveling portions of those things? Yeah, like- I would um, meet up with people who may have been in Europe at the time. So, you know, the Dundorfs, oh, yeah, um, yeah. who are a family who live in or who are within the school district. Yeah. They were in Italy visiting family and their sons and daughter are friends of mine. Yeah. So um, I went down there to see them, which was great. And I also had two friends who were studying abroad in the Netherlands. So I got to stay with them. And so seeing people I knew really helped keep mm. me going because I definitely got homesick. Yeah, and yeah. so just seeing someone I knew, a familiar social interaction yeah. was really awesome. Yeah. Um, and definitely. Because you were still like, you're it's pretty young. Yeah, you know what I mean, that's I was, pretty young to be like. I was sixteen. Country <laughs> I was sixteen when I first left and turned seventeen while I was over there. So uh, yeah, I was pre- or am pretty young, I suppose, yeah. and definitely yeah. showed that sometimes, especially when I got homesick. Yeah, I think. Um, like, uh, all right, mom and dad, yeah, <laughs> it would be yeah, nice yeah. to see you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it was a great year. Um, wouldn't trade it for anything else, but definitely ready to move on to the next thing and glad it's, I don't wish to continue that work three months, travel three months, right, work three right, months, right. travel three months. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you're starting school in the fall. So what's mm-hmm. your, what's your study going to be? Kinesiology, outdoor education. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, um, good pairing too. Yeah. It's, it's actually one, it's like yeah. the field is kinesiology and the special is outdoor education. You can do like kinesiology oh, sports studies. Um, but I'm hoping to dual do a dual major either with history or anthropology. So we'll see, but, um, outdoor ed is great. You basically train to be a Knowles guide or mm. a outward bound instructor or something, but yeah, I I'm think sure there's actually quite a few. Yeah, definitely. There. But people go into, you know, do whatever you can do psychology with it. Yeah. Um, but I think I want to be a teacher. And so I think going to be a Knowles guide or an outward bound guide and doing that for, you know, a number of years and then going into teaching the, they will complement each other nicely, I think, I hope. So we'll see. That's the plan right now. It could change a little bit, but it's cool. We'll see. Good choice. I think it's cool. I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how four years plays out, but just be at Polly's the whole time. (laughs) That's, that's the plan. Yeah. (laughs) That's the one constant that's definite is I will be at Polly's making falafel. (laughs) He's a good boss. It's a good place to work. (laughs) Um, so let's see. Let's get into some of the uh, the topic type stuff, I guess. Alrighty. Right? Um, so we kind of talked about like how you were raised. I wonder if there's a. Um, give me a second. Um, are you feeling like you're you're um, Are you feeling like you're being raised, and and I guess I'm not even specifically asking like your parents specifically mm-hmm. raising you in a way because I don't know how they could, but I guess it's the same sort of thing. Like, are you feeling prepared? Are you feeling like you're raised or um, prepared, um, being groomed, um, prepared for the world that you're seeing happening? 
Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I went to Oyster River High School, and I'm sure many of your listeners or your listeners' children go to Oyster mm-hmm. River High School, and um, I had the most amazing time there. I think the teachers are phenomenal. It's a great community. Um, but my parents aside, you know, everything that I've really become is thanks to Oyster River, and so I think... As far as high school goes, they've prepared their graduates the best anyone could, even the private high schools out there. Um, I think to truly be prepared for the current state of the world is something beyond what a school could do and mm. more on is more dependent on how we as individuals look at the world and also understand ourselves in it. Um, If you turn on the news right now, there's, you know, Trump's rhetoric, which Mm. political affiliations aside, some of it is quite out there and quite scary. Uh, Yeah. Um, Most of it, in my opinion, is quite (laughs) scary. Um, You know, there's ISIS, there's climate change, there's a a whole host of things that's happening. Um, And if I am, well, I am a young person recently graduated looking in the near future to enter the job market, I would say, you know, what's my place going to be? Do I want to do work to combat all of these issues? Do I want to, you know, follow whatever my passion might be? Is my passion working on those issues? Mm -hmm. But also... um, do I have enough, this is not me speaking as myself, but just as, mm. I don't know, an anonymous 18 year old would be, do I have enough empathy and um, passion and curiosity to pursue answers to these questions and solutions to these issues? Um, and so, uh, like I said, I think Oyster River gears kids up in the best way possible and I think that as a school they do teach us to empathize and to Mm. to think critically and um to find our passion and so I don't know to go back to your question maybe prepared as one could be but not quite prepared enough because I don't know I think everyone's a little underprepared and then once you dip your toes in then you can kind of so are you I guess another uh, branch to that question is, are you, do you feel, and do you think, you know, and again, this is like your, this is a question for you. These are, this is like topics for you, but also topics for like your, 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 you know, generation ish age group. Um, Are, are people feeling overwhelmed? Are people feeling like pessimistic? Um, You know, like kind of what you were alluding to, like, Mm -hmm. uh, should I follow my passion? Should I, Mm -hmm. or should I fight the fight or Mm -hmm. is it worth it? Am I, you know, like, you know, just kind of, is it worth it? Is it, well, um, what, what can I do? And just kind of, because I think intuitively, does that make someone worry about um, just perpetuating status quo? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. In 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 not only in reality but in reality but also in the thinking process, you know, like we like we talked about just before we started with the, uh, you know, if you're going to do a business, mm-hmm. you growing up and, and kind of think about starting your own business instead of profit, it's going to be people, planet, profit, like mm-hmm. Ryan taught us. Uh-huh. Um, um, do you, you know what I mean? So is yeah. it is it overwhelming? Is it optimistic? I think. Um, I see a mixture of both. Um, I think getting overwhelmed 
a product of over being overwhelmed is often apathy. You know, my hands are tied. I'm not going to do anything. I don't care what happens. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really easy to fall into that, but maybe it's because that's, this is the, like the social world that I'm a part of, but I also see an increasingly number of increasing number of young people, you know, maybe they're inspired by Bernie Sanders, particularly, I think we can attribute him to a lot of this is young people really caring about these issues and wanting to be a part of a movement that is changing them. Um, I mean, look at what Bernie Sanders did to youth vote turnout uh, on college campuses everywhere in the country. Um, And so, you know, people who had never voted before are now going to vote for, and I guess same with Trump, you know, people who are never voting before or who have never voted before are now turning out in mass to vote for this candidate who's different, um, but who also moves them in that way and makes them believe that we can take charge. So, so is there, is there an awareness there where you can, where there's, there's another level to that, you know, there's a, a, another, it's like turning off the disconnect. So you could say like, let's go vote, let's go vote. We can go vote. Mm -hmm. And then do you just turn around and go continue to work for as much profit as you can? Or or are people really, are they rethinking things like, no, we got to vote. And then we really, really have to change how Mm -hmm. we're thinking. We really, you know, we have to do it. Yeah. Well, I guess this is where the whole talk of millennials kind of ties in because the millennial generation is the most progressive generation. I mean, even I think you'll find that even conservative millennials, at least on social issues, are on the same page in some way or another. LGBT rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's it would be rare to, at least in my community, to mm-hmm. or in the Oyster River community, to find you know a conservative who's like, no, I'm against gay marriage. I mean, it's it's a I think it's a it's a basic fact now that marriage equality is accepted by most people in my generation. So mm. and uh, once again I guess it's kind of hard to to speak for everyone because I also recognize that what I'm exposed to is often a very jaded and left leaning version of yeah. reality. So yeah. That's where you live. Yeah, especially where I live. But I like to think that there is a growing mentality that, yes, these issues are here, um, but I'm also going to work in my capacity to change them. And I think that term, in my capacity, I won't take credit for that. A friend told me this um, Mm. is key because, you know, not everyone has the ability to to go and to protest and to sit in on this event or to, you know, join the UN, but people can do what they're able to do. You know, maybe you work full time, but decide to go vegan. Maybe you, um, you know, work in a, um, I don't know, work installing solar panels. And so then you decide to get also involved in the um, policy around solar panels. So it's just working with Finding well, yeah, a little bit of time or going with what you already do and finding a way to make that, take that to the next level and yeah, make no, it I mean, meaningful. That's, that's a great concept. Just, um, you know, giving yourself permission to also live your life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Just conceptually that, that comment yeah. is cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's not recognized enough. Um, as, as I think people, mm, people think that, well, gosh, I'm generalizing, but I don't know. I think a lot of people feel that to make 
change. We need to devote our entire lives yeah. to these issues. And yes, there are people who do that. And yes, yeah. their roles are important. But the equally important roles are those who just carve one hour of their day to go mm. do this thing that is important to them or who talk to their friends about this issue um, or who listen to the public radio and who get informed on X, Y, and Z and then go and vote. So um, mm-hmm. going way, way back to your first question, um, you know, is there like a, I guess, a consensus to to creating change? And I think, yes, there is. And I think we're just going to, it's just the start. And I'm hopeful that it's going to continue. Good. Me but, too. Yeah. I think everyone's hoping that. Yeah. Yeah, because it is. It's 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 scary. It is scary. Um, I have a good question. I kind of like this one. Shoot away. What does happiness mean to you? Oh gosh. Um. You and uh, and and do you and then dare to speak for mm. you know your age ish. Right now, happiness is linked to doing what I find fulfilling and what I find fulfilling is always changing. So right now what fulfills me is a lot different than what did five years ago. Mm -hmm. And likewise, it's a lot different than what will be in 15 years. Uh, I have this conversation with my dad a lot, not what does happiness mean, but you know, um, are you having fun? Is your life getting better? That kind of thing. And I guess for me, it's, Right now, what what's fulfilling is um, working and making money, having fun and seeing my friends and being able to have a intimate level of social interaction um, to going out and biking every day. You know, f- three years ago, that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, and um, I also really enjoy being in school and I haven't been in school for the past year. And so I've missed that. And I think once school starts, I... I don't want to say I'll be happier, but I'll feel more fulfilled because that's how I find purpose. Um, And so that's different for everyone. And I think if you talk to my dad, his sense of fulfillment is a lot different than mine. And it's a lot different than it was for him 10 years ago. But so I think it's changing for everyone. Um, So the question was, what is happiness or? Okay. Uh, For me, yeah, happiness is finding fulfillment. Happiness is doing things that are fulfilling and meaningful to you, but also finding meaning in the things that you have to do. Mm. I think that's important as well. So, and for... That's a good one. The generation. Very Buddhist. (laughs) Got my whole Zen (laughs) Zen on. Um, And for a... The generation, I think happiness, I think happiness is, yeah, it's different for everyone, but it's very closely linked to human interaction and how we choose to connect with people. And that platform is always changing. But I think that's at least a a standard for most people. And then, you know, whatever nitpicky habits people have that, I don't know, fulfill them, that changes, but... I think that's a bottom line. I like it. I like it. Um, I do want to talk about, um, um, I have some other stuff. So let's, let's, okay. uh, um, around the, the subject of connecting 
So let's talk about a little bit about like social media. All right. It's a big subject. God Yeah. It. It's kind of an abstract subject it really too. It's is. just it's like crazy. the big cloud above us. Yeah, what is it? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like what is it doing to us? And mm-hmm. is there a, um, so this is another one of those, like when I was a kid and you know, like uh-huh. um, how things are different and how um, from having a perspective of not having the level of social media that, that we have now, um, like I feel like I think I can pretty I'm just going to go out on a limb I haven't mm-hmm. thought about it a lot but I feel like I can fairly confidently say that we have a perspective um to 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 know that we don't know the ramifications of it yet yeah so you know what I mean so mm-hmm. there, so you guys and and so are we don't get me wrong like every everyone is now in the same pool mm-hmm. but we didn't have it. So we had a large chunk without it. Mm-hmm. And so in that we're seeing things like, um, um, you know, we're, th- we're thinking, we're saying things like we've developed certain social skills. Mm-hmm. We've, des- we've developed certain communication skills and certain relationship skills mm-hmm. that we're fearing that the generation that has grown up in social media world is missing out on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I mean by like, we don't know the ramifications mm-hmm. of that yet. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people say like things as simple as no one just stands in a line anymore bored. Yeah. You look at anyone in line for anything and it's phone, 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 phone. Like, is that a bad the, thing though is the question. Exactly, I know it yeah. is a question, but, yeah. but someone, again, like our generation, it's easy for you to say, is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. But from our generation, it's like, and you're, you know, you're a unique individual for your generation. You know what I mean? Like you are thoughtful. You have been brought up really well. You, you, you know, you some pretty special things have happened for you. Thank you. So, but when, like, when I, I have memories of my childhood and I think about things like, I have vivid memories of just being like with one friend. I mm-hmm. called him up on the phone. I didn't know if he was home or not. Mm-hmm. And he happened to answer the phone or he didn't. Or maybe I walked to his house and found mm-hmm. him. And, and then the two of us just walked to this field and we had a big tree there that was mm-hmm. like a big we- weeping willow tree mm-hmm. and we sat in the crook of this arm of the tree for mm-hmm. hours like hours and that- we there was and mind you it's not just that experience mm-hmm. it's also not recording that experience it's mm-hmm. not sharing that experience it's not being somewhere else at the same time mm-hmm. you know what i mean it wasn't also talking to abby yeah. and also talking to my mom and also talking to you know and also yeah. seeing what all these other people are doing while i'm sitting in this tree mm-hmm. i was just in the moment for hours for years mm-hmm. well i guess i've got a question for you then mm-hmm. do you find that that level of interaction and friendship is more enriching than your friendships now, or has that definition um, of enrichment changed? Um, that's a good question. But I would, I would say, I guess I would just say things like the people that I know are my closest friends and strongest mm-hmm. friends are people that I actually spend time with. Yeah. And that people that I do like put my phone down and just be engaged with them mm-hmm. or people that were, in that time with me mm-hmm. that I'm still friends with, yeah. which will be interesting. Will will be will you always be in touch with you know these people for that length of time, or mm-hmm. will you be so distracted and have so many more opportunities and, mm-hmm. uh, and to to reach out and connect that that it'll just get so watered down? Mm-hmm. How can you be that close with 800 people? Yeah. Um, 
lots of thoughts. And, and also just again to that line yeah. thing, it's like there's, there's like I'm suggesting that there is a social skill and mm-hmm. there's an internal like self happiness. Mm-hmm. That's not the best phrasing, but there's a, there's a, an internal ability to find happiness in the moment when I'm standing in line, when I don't just able, when I'm not able to just distract myself. Yeah. I can, well, I need, I can't, I, I need to be right here. Mm-hmm and observe and maybe interact. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess um, a tiny story to go along with what you just said. I I guess uh, my experience with that is being on the chairlift. You don't take your phone out on the Mm -hmm. chairlift because your hands will freeze unless you're in a gondola, but we don't have... Or your battery will die too. Or we don't really have those on the East Coast, those fancy gondolas. So, so, uh, but I notice my father is much more likely to strike up a conversation with the guy next to him Mm. than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, your uh, story about the the line made me think of that. Um, and so I think, like, um, the way we ap- approach strangers is definitely different. Now we don't really approach mm-hmm. strangers so much. Um, or maybe approaching strangers is the wrong term to use. Maybe uh, finding social interaction with random people around mm-hmm. us would mm-hmm. be a better way to put it. Um, and I think that's definitely lost on a lot of people who are constantly plugged in. I remember I went to the accepted students day at the University of New Hampshire and the dean of students who was speaking said, and I have one challenge for you. I want you to go to a restaurant and a coffee shop or a coffee shop. And I want you to go there by yourself. And I don't want you to go there with your phone or a book. And I want you to sit there and drink your coffee and take a and gauge how comfortable you are. Mm. Are you comfortable? I think everyone would say, one to ten, they're like a yeah, one or yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah, I think people aren't comfortable being um, in social, not social, in crowded places or, uh, uh, yeah, in crowded places without another person or without their phone. Yeah. And so the phone is quickly, because everyone's got their phone with them, They don't. Yeah. you don't always have another person tagging along yeah. with you. So the phone is <laughs> that pocket. that escape from awkwardness. Whereas it's like the, the awkwardness, which is there inherently before people filled it with socializing, but now people yeah. fill it with whatever Nothing. they happen to be Solitude. doing on their phone, catching yeah. Pokemon or reading mm-hmm. the news, yeah. whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, you can see it in their, in people's faces. Like mm-hmm. if you see, um, little um little physical gestures around this kind of mm. stuff like body language so someone's walking down the street and there's just two people walking down the street mm-hmm. neither one of us have our phones in our hands and yeah. we're walking towards each other we don't know each other uh-huh. i guarantee you both of us will reach in our pockets and grab <laughs> our phone and by the time we're walking by each other our heads are down in the phone mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean no eye contact no hey yeah you know it's it i think it adds a level of I don't know if this is even a word, an anonymousness to those around you, which is, I don't know, I'm just imagining when I've walked past mm-hmm. someone and gone straight to my phone because yep. I didn't really want to give them an awkward hello or something. Um, it just makes everyone in passing and everyone around you not a person and just kind of like yeah. a body. So, so now to answer your question, which I don't remember exactly what it was verbatim, <laughs> but when you say, is it such a bad thing? Uh-huh. I suggest maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe yeah. it is. Maybe there are some ramifications where, and, and of course we, we didn't get into some other stuff too mm-hmm. about around like relationships, mm. like, yeah, you know, like kids are dating through text. Yeah. 
and breaking I know, up. I know someone who was in like a two year relationship and they just broke up via Snapchat. So that was right. interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> <Christ>. um, <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, no but um you know, it's um um that so that's what I mean like mm-hmm. yes, if people can it's it is do I think it's potentially dangerous to to paraphrase your question mm-hmm. like yeah, I think it's potentially mm-hmm. detrimental like it's it's mm-hmm. not it's there's a certain level of it just isn't real. Like mm-hmm. you're not you can't, you know. And don't get me wrong. Like I do it mm-hmm. a yeah, and B I do. I like, I, I genuinely like people that are online. I've, I have a few friends online I've never met, mm-hmm. but I like them. I know I do. Yeah. And I talk to them. I actually reach out to them. Like, you know, I'll personal message them or you mm-hmm. know, Facebook message them and like kind of talk about something specific. Mm-hmm. And, and there's someone I even think to, to reach out that they might know stuff about stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I feel like I do have fairly genuine relationships, but mm-hmm. And I do see all, I see tons of positive in all of it. Yeah. But there is that kind of bottom line. What are we doing to our, our species? But I think yeah. it's, um, it's all about moderation. And yeah, I mean, borders, I 100% boundaries. abuse my phone. Yeah. I will. I'm so guilty of that. Everyone I, does. Yeah. I, Everybody. Um, well, I mean, I won't text and drive. That's terrible. No yeah. one should text and drive. But uh, a still moment, a spare moment, mm. just whip out the phone. Yeah. Today, when I got home from work, I didn't want to help my mom clean the kitchen. I like cashed out and just zoned out on my phone for 10 minutes, right. which <laughs> she was not too happy about. Um, <laughs> none too pleased. So, um, yeah, I guess... When I had thought about technology or talked about it with friends, we had always kind of come to the agreement that, oh, it's, well, it's when technology is replacing social interaction. That's when the problem comes. The problem well, is here, here for a lot of us. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting. But then I guess you could also raise the question of, well, what if the person standing in the line for their coffee is reading the BBC while they're waiting sure. for their coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, or they're in a genuine conversation. Yeah. Might be texting you know, their kid. Like yeah. Like have is. a good day at school. You know, your yeah. lunch is on the counter kind of thing. But again, back to like the, the generation differences, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I, again, it, it wasn't always at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. That stuff just wasn't always there. I couldn't constantly mm-hmm. talk to my friends. I couldn't constantly talk to my parents mm-hmm. and I couldn't constantly be like reading and researching. I just mm-hmm. had to have moments of alone. Yeah. I think instant communication, instant gratification and constant, um, con- I don't know, constant overstimulation per yeah, se is yeah. the new normal for yeah. people, um, especially millennials and even the tail end of millennials like myself and, you know, people for probably, I'd say people born in like 94 and younger um it's a lot more normal to uh have it's perfectly perfectly acceptable to have a lot of your communication with your friends be based solely off of facebook um and i guess that goes back then to the question of well what do you find enriching is a facebook friendship perfectly meaningful to you um and i met i met a guy who he's from 
um, Manchester in the United Kingdom. And he's like, my best friend, he's going on and on about his best friend. I was like, oh, so who's your best friend? He's like, well, he lives in Berlin, but I had actually met him in Berlin and he had just met his best friend for the first time ever. (laughs) And so I guess he found the most meaningful friendship of his life via the internet. Right. This kid's not creepy. He's a really nice kid. Yeah, yeah. But it became even more meaningful when they met in person. Right. So, um, I, I don't really know where I was going well, with that. Well, it's just but interesting. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting anecdote around all that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, whew, man, it is a different... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess I guess it maybe just speaks to the fact that the standards have changed a little yeah. bit. And so, also, and so what I'm also hearing mm-hmm. is that you are... You recognize boundaries need to be set and practiced, mm-hmm. um, ideally, and they are, are absolutely up to the individual. But it's so normal to you; you're not particularly scared by it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I just shook my head and realized podcast listeners can't see yeah. that. But <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't want to be like a, um, I don't know. Well, do you have any? Let me ask you a, a question. Sorry okay. to interrupt yeah. that, but like, do you do you not trust what I'm saying? And I'm not challenging at all. I yeah. know you know what I mean. Yeah. I, no, I'm like, I like what do you have to say about? you know, those experiences of growing Mm -hmm. up with nothing and and like, do you think there's any value to it? Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree with and know what you mean when you speak to your experiences, but I don't think like that was the gold standard. And I don't think that that could ever be reached again because people's lives have been so consumed. And now it just is what it is. It is what it is kind of. And so if someone wants to turn off their phone and stroll wherever for however long they are perfectly capable of doing that i mean there's nothing that says i can't turn off my phone and go to a willow tree and you know relax in it with my friend but i don't choose to good luck finding a friend that'll do it with you (laughs) all right abby like what did they have you doing in europe this is kind of strange um yeah i yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't you're think right, it'll never go back. I don't and, think anything. But I'll tell will you, change. I've been, I've been, I've been practicing a little bit. Uh-huh. Like I've been like when we just came back from North Carolina, and mm-hmm. I, I was uh, even Leah noticed. She's just like you're taking a little vacation from your phone, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I actually consciously am. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, I just kind of put it down. Like when I was, I would, ch- I would get up and I would check it, and I would just put it in my bag, mm-hmm. and then I'd just go and leave the house and do my whole day. Yeah. And then I'd come back at night, and I would just check it again. I'd spend five or ten minutes just scrolling some things and checking mm-hmm. some stuff out, and then I'd put it back. Yeah. And I did that for like five, six days in a row. Nice. And then when I came back, I noticed that um, I wasn't as anxious for mm-hmm. it, um, mm-hmm. and I've and I've been sort of kind of trying to do the same thing. I've actually been feeling. Um, I've been feeling myself slipping in the last couple mm. of days back into being a little too phone heavy. and well, I'm, Because you're settling back into your exactly. regular routine, yeah. which sometimes is seen as mundane to the person who has the routine. I'm yeah. not calling your routine mundane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not at, all, <laughs> not at all what I meant. But no, I guess I had a similar experience while I was away. I didn't have access to my phone at, well, I had my phone and if I was in Wi-Fi, great right, text right, to mom and dad. Times, hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. But most of the time, no phone unless yeah. I wanted to pay insane data overages. Right. Um, and then when I got back, I mean, I'm using my phone a lot, but the, what I do on my phone is changing. So I find myself texting my friends a lot less because I just got used to not needing to be in constant communication right. with my friends, which yeah. I think is really great. I think my friends, some of my friends would tell you it's really frustrating because yeah. I don't respond to my texts right, all right. the time. Um, and so 
Yes, I, I, I think it's just interesting how... Which is another little element to it. You know, like yeah. that whole weird thing about like, why didn't you answer me? Why didn't you answer yeah. me? Like, I don't have to be in constant contact yeah. with everybody always. That's what That's my dad burden. tells me like every day. Yeah. When I'm like, why didn't you pick up my call? I was trying to get in contact yeah. with you. But um, yeah, it, I guess that just goes back to that standard, the new standard that yeah. everyone's got their phone on them and everyone's plugged in always. Yeah. So, but then it's like certain expectations, which becomes a certain type of burden. Mm-hmm. That's a burden for people. Yeah. It's yeah. like a stressor. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I need to be available mm-hmm. all the time yeah like no i don't no i don't <laughs> i'm on vacation no it's um but it was refreshing yeah and it I doesn't feel as good the more i'm back the more i'm creeping back into it it literally it just doesn't feel as good mm-hmm. so i gotta try to get back out um sorry i'm looking at my notes and this is yeah. this is not only are you the youngest guests so uh-huh. far and uh that's a that's a first the uh-huh. other first is actually having notes oh okay because i wanted to be like a little more specific <laughs> around stuff instead of just the conversation gotcha but um i probably haven't been helping with all my tangents i'm sorry no, no, i love it it's, 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 that's what they're supposed to do this okay conversation right. prompters right? right um but usually i just i literally have no preparation <laughs> or notes go for it yeah. so um You've probably kind of answered this a little bit, but um, where do you where do you see yourself in like five or ten years? Mm. And I guess that conversation, that question is kind of not again, not kind of like Abby and her goals and this and that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like mixed with that that I'm sorry mi- that mixed with um, your view of like what's going on mm-hmm. in the world and what's you know what what the, what the challenges yeah. of this kind of like new world unfolding in front of uh-huh. us. Well. Once again, I'm going to just make the note that my um, opinions on millennials is jaded by the fact that our community is generally pretty left-leaning yeah, and yeah, yeah. people are pretty engaged with yeah. creating positive yeah. communities and things around. And, the Northeast. Uh, yeah, New yeah. England is yeah, as, pretty as, lucky. And Durham like, has a little pocket yeah, in there. Yeah. But um, I think um, because I'm starting college – um, and I want to be involved with things at school. There's like a divestment campaign at the at many universities nationally, but there's one at the University of New Hampshire. And divestment um, started the divestment movement started with divest apartheid when um, apartheid was happening in uh, South Africa, and many college campuses who had um, or many universities had their endowments pretty heavily tied in investments um, or in businesses who some way or another benefited from apartheid, whether it was like construction companies Mm -hmm. who, you know, built the houses or uh, arms deals or whatever it might be. And um, now our, or still our universities have money invested in the fossil fuel industry because for the past 150 years, it has been the most viable and constant industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a growing number of young people are saying this isn't right. Our school's profiting from climate change, especially a public university who's supposed to be uh, the pinnacle of education and representation and fairness and Mm -hmm. equality. Why are we deliberately funding climate change to profit off of? Um, (laughs) And so I would love to work on divestment and then, but then if I think about divestment, I think, well, what about after college, you know, uh, where what kind of activism or campaigns or s- anything is happening. And so to tie back into that greater 
millennial group, I think when people think about their futures, they also think about their futures with the idea in the back of their mind, well, how can I tie this into mm. a greater entity or a, you know, a, a, a movement for change? And yeah. so, um, you know, the, the business model, I think we were talking about this, like you referenced before we were recording, but the business model is changing. It's less, you know, consume, consume, consume money, 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 and more, uh, how do we bring in the community into this? How do we engage with people better? How do we respect the environment? Can we source this locally? Um, and so people are planning their futures and people are driven as ever, but they're driven with that idea in the back of their mind and the sense of responsibility in the back of their mind that this also has to have a larger purpose. Mm. Um, like I said, maybe that's just because I interact with a bunch of people who, I don't know, do that yeah. as a profession yeah. or whatever. But I, I like to think it's millennials as a whole. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. But <laughs> we have no choice. <laughs> yeah. Hands are tied kind of. Well, our hands aren't tied, but. <laughs> yeah, we can do something. Um, how about, um, um, I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess like some, maybe a few of your top issues, your top sort of, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean by issues, like, you know, the, the kind of yeah. things that you think are, are the, the biggest concerns to, uh, yeah. like, you know, whether it's the environment or people mm -hmm. or. Um, well, uh, I'll list, yeah, the top issues, but I guess there's now uh, a common argument coming up that all of these issues are deeply interconnected mm -hmm. and. A lot of them stem from the same root cause. Uh, is that money in politics? Is that capitalism? Is it capitalism affecting money in politics? Um, but so I think the issues that I see affecting the world right now, climate change, because climate change is happening now and it's going to happen in 100 years and it's going to happen regardless of what political entity is in power it's going or you know what terrorist organization happens to be located where so i think that climate change is affecting affects us no matter what the refugee crisis is huge uh, we're seeing the middle east unraveling because from when i guess western influences came in there and tried to establish governments and you know borders around countries but cut off you know tribes that had been around for thousands of years and so we're seeing that starting to unravel and that's huge because it's causing millions of people to be displaced um, climate change also ties into the refugee crisis because uh, I think right now actually to reference that in the West Bank there's a huge drought um, and so not only were there refugees because there's uh, a really terrible war going on in the West Bank but now there is also you know thirsty refugees yeah, and yeah. so it's just um, making things 10 times worse and making things a lot harder for people. In the United States specifically, I think that race is mm -hmm. what we need to be focusing on right now so that we can be a better nation in the global community. Um, what's happening right now in the country isn't fair. It's not we can do better. Um, 
I think a lot of people are just realizing that things haven't been good for a while. They yeah. just kind of turned a blind eye. Um, and so, yeah, I think race relations, mass incarceration, police brutality, all those things are interconnected and all of those things need to be worked on. I have no solutions for them. Yeah. Um, but I guess having discussions like these, talking about it, yeah. you know, we're both white individuals, but we're talking about this. So maybe this is a start. It might not be enough, but I think it's a start. Yeah. 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 That's a, fr that's a frustrating one. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult. Yeah. For sure. It is. It's really frustrating because it's it, again, like where we live, um, there's so much kind of open-mindedness, mm -hmm. you know, as kind of a, as a, as a, a norm, mm -hmm. I guess. And, uh, I think the way, you know, you and I were both raised and where we grew up, it's such a, it's, it's such a frustrating issue because it's such a like no brainer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, what? I mean, it, to me, it's such a simple, but I know it isn't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, so I know it's like so deeply rooted and I agree with you, by the way, it's that, that's one of the, that is in my opinion too, one of the biggest things in the country, it's making mm -hmm. the com it's making the country so uncomfortable mm -hmm. and so tense and, and you're on to something mm -hmm. too, like in your saying, um, that we, we need to come together and just be more harmonious so we can all just kind of mm -hmm. like then focus together yeah. on these issues and, and, and like mm -hmm. make, you know, uh, make mm -hmm. it a, a, then be able to focus on things like climate change and work towards yeah. things together, you know, yeah. cause, cause you're right. It's like the, the climate change affects everybody. Mm -hmm. There's no racism when it comes to climate control, you yeah. know? So, um, but also, but again, back to it's, I, I personally also just find it so frustrating because mm -hmm. I just want to go, what are you talking about? Like, it's everything. It's racism and sexism and mm -hmm. like, um, who cares? Yeah. I just want to be like, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Shake like, some go, shoulders. Yeah. Like, what really? are you thinking? Yeah. Like, what are you literally just, what are you yeah. thinking? Really? Mm -hmm. You think you're better than someone else? You think someone's less because of anything other yeah. than their actions? Mm -hmm. It's mind-boggling to me some people do yeah and it's yeah. and it's so deep-rooted and it's so you know mm -hmm. it's it's a really it's a frustrating mm -hmm. conversation well going back to uh you use the word um it's like making the country uncomfortable and i think that that's a really interesting word to use um i'm not criticizing the no. word i think it's like a good word to use because on one hand um you know you have people who are uncomfortable because they're realizing what's happening and mm. they're you know, morale is saying this isn't right. But then you also have people who are uncomfortable at the suggestion that things aren't perfect. Yeah. No, um, good, good observation. And so it's, it's like, uh, uncomfortable is the word to use yeah. and everyone's uncomfortable on different levels. Yeah. It's not uncomfortable because, Oh, things are bad. They need to be fixed. It's uncomfortable because this person just had a reality check and they realized that they're living in a bubble and they were born right. into a world of privilege. Right. And this person's uncomfortable because they built their success around their privilege and bringing these issues to the surface could they, mean that their success comes tumbling down. Right. So and they also don't like being told that they that yeah. like live in a world that they don't know that they live in a world of privilege. Yeah, That's a exactly. big one going on right now. For sure. It's a weird conversation. For sure. Yeah. It's a tough one for me to mm -hmm. have and keep up with. Yeah. But it's also one that needs to happen and maybe yeah. as I mean, there is the question of where do white people fit into the Black Lives Matter movement? Mm. But maybe pointing out 
white privilege to other white people is a place to start because yeah. it's, I don't know, everyone needs to point out the privilege, but maybe that's like where we can contribute without dominating the movement, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, any others? The top issues? Um, one more? One more. Agriculture, which is mm. very closely related to climate change. I'm sure you know a lot more about animal agriculture and agriculture in general um, than I do, except I think um, I recently watched a, or started watching a documentary and it was talking about um, focusing on growing crops and raising animals that were had evolved within that hemisphere or a section of whatever country. So it was talking about, it was a focusing um, where I was in the documentary is focusing on a cattle rancher who decided to start raising bison because uh, he realized that it doesn't make sense to raise cattle in the Great Plains because mm. cattle weren't meant to graze there. Yeah. Um, you know, he needed to worry about finding them shelter. He needed to worry about overgrazing. Mm. But all those things that cattle fell short on, bison did naturally, naturally yeah. and bison benefited the ecosystem around them. So, I don't know, agriculture is a huge issue and it drives our entire world but i think finding and it's ex, oh gosh i always butcher this word exas exacerbates <laughs> yes that, that one by by climate change and so um yeah one of those things that we're going to have to start coming up with solutions very quickly too yeah. or else a lot of people are going to be sol yeah thirsty yeah yeah Speaking of which, we both drink water. Mm -hmm. um, and so, are you are you generally optimistic about these things? Like, do you, or, uh, you know, or, let me rephrase that. Do you have any optimism around these things? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, why not be optimistic? Right. It's easy to get bogged down. It's easy to say, "Why care? Why is this important?" I think it's also easy to say, well, nothing I do is going to be good enough. Even if I, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, we were talking about the same thing. And, uh, I referenced changing light bulbs. It's hugely important. You can save a lot of energy. Um, and let's say your passion is changing light bulbs and you just want to change all the light bulbs in New Hampshire, but there's always going to be someone saying, but what you're doing isn't enough. You know, you need to look at the yeah. big picture, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so, um, yeah, that's a frustrating it's easy, uh, barrier. Yeah. It's easy to get bogged down in that. And so it goes back to, am I operating? Am I doing work that I can do that I like doing? And is it the most I can be doing right now? Right. And we don't all need to be, tiring ourselves out doing the most we can right now. Maybe you need to take right. five years and do something for yourself. That's okay too. Um, I went on a tangent again, but so I have a lot of optimism that people are looking to their neighbors and looking at themselves and saying, what can I do? What can we do? Let's go do this. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot happening in the next four years. I hope. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so let's, let's uh, wrap up with uh one idea one question i guess um um or uh your message if you could give your message to 
would let's say uh, how about this if i if i said you can give a message uh-huh. who would you give your message to okay. the younger generation okay. or the older generation or your generation who oh, do you think gosh. needs the uh the loudest message and what is it i think my generation because we have the ability to impact the older generation and the generation below us good answer um i think the message would be this is a heavy question for uh, <laughs> to think of on the spot gosh <laughs> um i think it would just be that we need to remember there is a lot more going on than is directly in front of us and that we have the ability to understand that a lot's going on and that we can go out and change it if we want to. Uh, it's a super corny statement to make, but no, I think it's right. one of the most powerful. Uh, everyone at Oyster River goes through the power of one project mm. where they choose whatever that's uh, attributed to Pam Rayford, who's a very lovely very, person. Yes, yes. Um, And so... Uh, like awesome project too. Yeah, Crazy. it's it's great so good and so for the kids to do. It's I mean some people think it's a a huge hassle, but honestly, what could be more empowering than having a kid focus in on something that they're passionate about and going out and changing yeah. it or raising money or you know doing volunteer service? Yeah. So a quick little description to yeah, to yeah. people. It's like this. Uh, she says to the kids, pick a a, a, a project to do. Um, that something you could find some passion in mm-hmm. um, that you think needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. And the concept is called power of one mm-hmm. because as one person, you can make a difference. That, yeah. like she tries to drive that message home. Yeah. So they like when Bella did it, she did um, Killer Whales. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. Yeah. And so then the, the event is at night, uh, like after school, mm-hmm. it's in this huge, the multi-purpose room or the cafeteria? Cafeteria, I, mean, I believe. It's in the cafeteria, huge room. And you, I mean, it's, I mean, how many kids do you think are doing it? The whole freshman class. So it's, 150 to 200 yeah. kids. And yeah. so, so as an adult, you're walking around as, a, mm-hmm. you know, the parents, you're, you're just like, you know, snaking through this huge room with all these kids just standing by their project mm-hmm. and they all beam with pride yeah. and they, and you walk up to them and they say, tell me about your project. And mm-hmm. they tell you about their project and yeah. their passion. It is, it was awesome. And what I love the most about, well, I love it all, but I think one thing that's really stand out is the diversity of projects that there are, yeah. which goes to show that there's something for everyone out there mm. and you can find a way to make change with whatever mm. your interest may be. And which also speaks to what you said before too, about just if you've a passion about changing light bulbs, mm-hmm. you do the light you bulbs. You go change your I'm light bulbs. Do the food. Yeah. Gonna, I remember you know. I uh, talked with this one kid. I thought this might've been one of my favorite power of one projects that I had. I think it was last year that it happened um, or yeah, last year. And he had created a club for, um, high school students to go to like the um, special education department and just like have lunch and play with and interact mm. with oh, or cool. read or you know play sports with um, students who uh, had learning disabilities yeah. or who spent a lot of their time in um, you know a classroom or in one of those classrooms rather than you know yeah. whatever it may be and so I think that that just I don't know I was just so amazed by it that kid was awesome Uh, i don't know his name but it's just someone who saw the problem went out or saw we can do better went out and um found a solution and impacted a lot of lives through it all within oyster river high school so it doesn't even need to be 
you know, the uh, world. Yeah, the world. <laughs> it can be your high school, yeah. but you're helping someone yeah. and helping yourself too. So yeah. that's yeah. really cool. All right. That was a good message as well. Thank that was, you. That was a good message on the spot. It's all thanks to that kid with the power of one. Yeah, so yeah, right on. <laughs> gotta find him. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. I think it was really cool. This was fun. I think people like listen to that. We could probably go on for a long time too. We probably end up just like rehashing a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But you are definitely a really special person. Thank and, you. Uh, we do need, you know, like more, more folk like you. And if we did have more fo- folk like you, then there'd be a lot more. Well, you'd be doing a lot of podcasts. That's for sure. Well, we'd be doing a lot of podcasts, <laughs> but there'd be a lot more. Uh, I don't mean to say it like there isn't optimism or I too am op- optimistic. Mm-hmm. I, I live my life that way too. It's in mm-hmm. the same sort of regard. Like I choose to do that, you mm-hmm. know, but um, there, there would be, we'd have a lot of hope mm-hmm. and we do have a lot of hope. Yeah. Well, I think things are changing. And so with those millennials and whoever's after my generation, I don't even know, centrians or I something. Don't know what the next Evan one Googled is. it today, yeah, yeah, but, know. uh, people are, I think as a whole more optimistic. And so, so maybe gotta put the phones down yeah and start doing a little or more pick up the phones and do something productive with those phones yeah to, yeah that too yeah all right well cool beans yeah love you yeah love your whole family You're likewise awesome. it's right been on. been fun having you working with james next door so yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool awesome right. cool Thanks. i don't really know how all this fancy stuff works so. yeah we just say peace all right peace <laughs>